You are listening to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. Welcome to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. I'm Ben, and with me is my trusty sidekick, Guitar Ted. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. Great. So we have a sponsor for this episode. Awesome. Pretty, pretty cool, huh? Yes. And, uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, you what you should do, this episode is sponsored by Smooth Operator Lube. So if you like what you hear and uh, you want to help us out and check out some new lube, have, head over to smoothoperatorlube.com. Pretty simple, smoothoperatorlube.com. That's it. I'll put a link in the show notes, too, so if you have any questions, go check it out. And I will say, too, Guitar Ted has some of the Smooth Operator Lube in his hands and on his chain at some point. Um, you just got it this week, right? Yeah, I, okay. and I do have it on my chain, and I actually literally have some in my hand right now. Okay. Literally. Yeah. Holding the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> if you could see this through Radio Land, through the power of the Internet. So I you just you just like hang out with like parts and like lube yeah, I mean, and bikes and stuff while you're sitting around is that yeah like- so so if if you had a if you could visualize this folks out there i'm, I'm sorry we have a guest that's waiting to get on <laughs> i know i'm just we have, <laughs> so i try to keep the intro under like two minutes but right it's suspenseful but it is uh it's kevin from spinistry Yes. So apologies, Kevin, but I'll tell this real quick. Yeah. Uh, I have, if you can visualize my desk, I have, it's a complete chaos. It's a complete maelstrom of junk. <laughs> I have like, I'm just looking at what's ahead of me here. I have like tangles of USB cords, a seven speed grip shift shifter, <laughs> a broken harmonica and two tubeless <laughs> valve stems. Oh, this is awesome. awesome. So if you can imagine, that's just part of it. I have yeah. more than that, but we'll just, we'll stop there. We, we got to oh, get Kevin fine. on here. That's fine. <laughs> can, listeners, can you tell how excited we are to get on and do this? It's fun. Like, it's yeah. it's fun to do this. Anyhow, so I'll let you, uh, Guitar Ted, you can kind of handle it from here and I'll I'll chime in when, uh, Absolutely. when I feel like interrupting you. Okay. okay. Uh, well, today we have a special guest, uh, Kevin Lee from... Uh, um, I don't know, Kevin. Is this a group called Spinistry, or is it a what? What is Spinistry? Tell us what that. But first of all, hello. <laughs> and you hey guys, how y'all doing? Great, great. So, can you explain what Spinistry is, Kevin? What is that? Wow, good question. Nice, nice opening. But I, I, I got to admit, I was kind of fascinated by the conversation of Guitar Ted having Smooth Operator Premium Lube in his hand. I know. I was while the Going on. I was like, where, where is this going? I know. This is not an adult. <laughs> and, and, you know, I did forget in the in the announcement, too, I wanted to say just a reminder to go over to spinistry.net. So all the stuff we're talking about, if you want more information on what uh, Kevin has going on, go to spinistry.net. And I'll put all the links in the show notes, too. So the website, Facebook page, any way to contact him, I'll put it all in there. Awesome. Yeah. So, Kevin, what, what is spinistry? He's... I, there is no easy answer to that, guys, but uh, I'll, I'll try to wrap it up in as quick of a nutshell as, as is possible. Uh, spinistry, uh, our motto is long, hard, and dirty. Um, basically, uh, the spinistry is myself, my wife, my family, and a few select friends that kind of come in and out on a rotating basis and uh, put on put on 
gravel grinders, some endurance mountain bike events here and there. Uh, the, I mean, really, the idea is just to go out and have a good time on bikes. Awesome. Yes. And, and that's what the spinistry in a nutshell is, how we got to where we are. That's a story that will take a lot of talking <laughs> over bonfire and well, that sounds awesome. We like bikes too, so I think we're going to get along just fine, Kevin. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, Kevin, you're on here. You want to talk about one of your events called the Red River Riot. And just to give uh, people kind of a, a background from my perspective anyway, um, way back, uh, well, I think it was about, I don't know, late 2000s, maybe it was. I think I, I got wind of you guys back then when I was putting together the Gravel Grinder News Calendar. And I think, I'm pretty sure, maybe you remember this, Kevin, uh, the Red River Riot winner and the, and a race recap was probably one of my very first stories I ever published on that website. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember that very well. It was, it was, it was an honor actually for us to be featured, uh, that early in, uh, in, uh, that was Gravel Grinder News, right? Yes. Or, yeah. Yep. I apologize. I, I get I get confused on on labels these days. Yeah, uh, yeah. Since you guys have teamed up, I keep going back and forth in my own head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was an honor to us because uh, Guitar Ted was already quite the established personality from uh, from the Twenty Nine er days, and yeah. uh, he's he's just a trendsetter all the way across the board. <laughs> so it provides, the... it provides a lot of valuable information. Is what it comes down to. Uh, yeah. Well, no doubt. Okay. Yeah. But this like, isn't a podcast about you. Let's stop talking about you. Let's talk about I know me. It. It's not about me. Let's talk about me. <laughs> no. uh, so it, it's changed. You know, I'm just looking back because, Kevin, my history as far as all this, I my first mountain bike was a 29er. So it's interesting to me to hear all of, you know, going back and, and talking to Guitar Ted, you know, behind the scenes and all the stuff we do together, you know. I just defer to him because I'm like, man, I don't even, I barely know stuff beyond, you know, 10 years ago. So it's interesting when you guys are talking the history. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Red River Riot's been around for a little while anyway. Um, when did you guys first start out, Kevin? Uh, our first, uh, our first Red River Riot, which was actually our first spinistry event, uh, was January 23rd. 2010. So uh, we just had the anniversary of that a couple weeks ago, and uh, we've done the Red River Riot every year. We've moved it a little later in the year. The area yeah. of the country that it's in uh, really benefits from uh, the springtime in Texas and the Rolling Hills. Uh, when, we're, when we're lucky at the right time of the year, we just get some really gorgeous wildflowers and beautiful scenery. Mm. And uh, the riding is good year-round up there, don't get me wrong. But there's yeah. just something about when those when the when the blue bonnets and the Indian paint are popping, it's pretty amazing out there. I like wildflowers. It sounds awesome. So you said the first event was January twenty third, two thousand ten. Is that right? Is that what that's you said? correct? That mm -hmm. I, that's why I remember it because that's my birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I knew you. Guys I, I I I remember. Yeah, and I remember it because it's one, two, three. That's that's how simple my mind works. So there you one, go. two, three. Okay, <laughs> that'll work, right? So <laughs> awesome. So now, since the beginning of of uh, the Red River Riot, things have changed a little bit. You've kind of grown it. Um, 
It used to be a little simpler event than it, than it is now. Give us a little bit of background on how the Red River Ride has evolved over the years. You know, I'll be perfectly honest. It, it evolved at the starting line of the first event. Um, the original concept behind the ride wasn't a gravel grinder per se. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Texas mountain biking or trails around here. Generally speaking, Texas doesn't have an epic trail. We don't have any trails that are 25, 50, 100 miles long, anything like that. So generally speaking, to put on an epic mountain bike ride around here, you're going around the same 8 to 15 miles multiple times. Uh-huh. I love mountain I yeah. truly do. But two laps on the same trail is about enough for me. That third <laughs> lap, even if my legs are still feeling, it's like I, I, I've seen this already. I, I want to move on. Yeah, we wanted to figure out a way to do over a hundred miles of mountain biking, and uh, the original plan was that we were going to start at this mountain bike ranch that uh, had some great trails, and we were able to camp there, bonfires, and hey, beer, yay! Yeah, and <laughs> we would, you know, we'd ride the mountain bike trail, and then we would hit some really cool dirt roads in the area that had some big hills on them, so it was kind kind of like mountain biking but kind of wasn't then we'd come back and we'd do another lap on the trails and then we'd go out and do some more dirt roads and come back and do a third so we still were doing three laps on the trails but we were like throwing 75 miles of dirt roads out there actually i think we had 100 miles out so it was going to be 120 something miles total so that was that was going to be an epic mountain bike race in texas yeah well (laughs) i will say that texas really does love mountain biking though just from a oh, traveling yeah. perspective, on it, like mountain bike radio, because like, that's my other my other thing I got going on. But um, you know, from that perspective, the Texas mountain bike community, it, even though you, like you said, you don't have those big epics, it they're crazy about mountain biking. So it's a good place to start. Oh, there. no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So let's back and, up uh, just a, just a, just a second, Kevin. Texas is huge. So where are you in Texas? Let's give people a perspective I, there. Yeah, we're we're located. I actually we built our house with a view of Texas Motor Speedway. Okay, uh, just just outside of Fort Worth, just north of Fort Worth. So we're in the Dallas Fort Worth area. That's kind of gotcha. our home base of operations, and the the Texas Motor Speedway kind of gives people a sense of where we are, and that's kind of important because it actually that's like the edge of where the gravel and dirt roads start out of the the metropolitan area of Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, gotcha. And that's kind of how this ride indirectly came about. And I know, I think most of us that have done the podcast have talked about it in the past. A lot of us got started riding the gravel roads just because unfortunately just so many of our friends were getting hurt. People we know, maybe ourselves mm. riding the pavement. I mean, I, w- I was riding a ton of pavement in addition to the mountain biking and I kept running into these damn dirt roads that kept getting in my way of trying to take my Colnago out for 75 miles. Funny how that changed. Yeah. 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 And then one day I, I threw together this, this Franken bike out of a, an old Czechoslovakian cross bike I had. And, uh, it's like, I, you know, I'm going to see where that dirt road goes. And after that, I never really looked back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I found the dirt roads and it's like, this is what writing's all about. And, but I thought it was just me. It was kind of a sickness uh-huh. I had. Nobody else was riding it with me. And 
I, I had worked out a route to get from my house to this mountain bike ranch, Bar H, um, I want to say in 2005, 2006 or something like that. And that was my big goal. I was going to ride up to Bar H on, on all these dirt roads and camp for a night and ride back. And just oh, the yeah. way life happens, that just that just never came to be. That opportunity never arose. And eventually uh, that back-of-the-head library of knowledge I had about dirt roads in the area kind of morphed into putting together this mountain bike race where we would use some of those dirt roads. And what, as fate would have it, uh, that part of Texas is very similar. It's red clay. It's, mm-hmm. So it's very similar to Oklahoma. And I think we all know the land run stories when, the, when it gets wet up there. And basically, as soon as we started that first Red River riot, right at the starting line, it just the bottom fell out. It just started pouring <laughs> rain on us. Oh, and we didn't know how long the rain was going to last, so I just sent everybody. I said, just go hit the dirt roads. Let's see what happens to the trails because it was going to be one of those things. It would just turn into peanut butter literally on those trails, and the bikes mm-hmm. would just be so gunked up that you know nobody would have even made it a half mile at that time. So we were going to see how much it rained, how long it lasted. So we just sent them out on the dirt roads to start out with. Go do your first 25 or 30-mile loop. I can't even remember what it was at that point. And then they came back through, and it was still raining. And I'll, oh, no. I'll, have, to, I'll have to send you all a link to some of the pictures from that first, that first Red River riot. But by the end of it, everybody's covered in mud, literally, from head to toe. <laughs> Bikes are just totally caked, but everybody's just got these huge smiles on their faces. And we never did the first foot of single track. Everybody ended up just doing gravel roads the whole time. Wow. And, and we, you know, we all hung out. I thought it was a failure, to be honest with you. I thought people were going to hate it. I mean, I knew I liked riding gravel roads, but I'm a mm-hmm. weird guy. You know, nobody uh-huh. else likes this kind of stuff. And... uh you know, everybody came in that night. They came in with smiles on their faces. Uh, we had a big old bonfire going. It was January, but it wasn't quite that cold. It was pretty comfortable out. We happened to have a keg of Ska Decadent from Ska Brewing. They were they were one of our very first sponsors. And, uh, you know, our, we seem to keep falling back on the priorities of bicycles and beers for some reason. But... <laughs> It's consistent. I will give you that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, Kevin, because uh, your story sounds a lot like mine uh, when I first started putting on Trans-Iowa up here in Iowa, and we did the second event, and it was a total rain out, and nobody could finish it. And I'm thinking, while this has all happened, and probably you felt somewhat similar, uh, you got these riders out there, they're struggling in the mud and the rain, and you're thinking, man, someone's going to come back here and punch me in the face because this really sucks, you know. Yep. <laughs> and they come yes. and they come in and they come in. And they're like, "That was awesome. Can we do it again <laughs> next year?" <laughs> like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> so I, I I can kind of relate to that a little bit. It's kind of interesting how we are. We 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 do have a sickness, I think, for sure. It, it's a it's a good sickness. It's a damn yeah. good sickness. Yeah. Well, the, the good thing is too about get gravel roads. If it's raining. I mean, you're going to destroy your bike like you're mountain biking, but you're not destroying any trails. You know, yeah. so it's like carefree destroying things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> who, who cares if we who cares if we rut this road all yeah, up? It's I mean, going to get graded again anyway. Right, exactly. <laughs> Organized chaos. Yeah, there is that pr- pretty That's much, right. Yeah. You don't really get a chance to do that. So, I think that might be part of the draw. 
Yeah, I think it probably is. Yeah. So now uh, the first event was a hundred miles. You tried to do a hundred miles, and then then what happened? I mean, did you do that? You decided to do no mountain bike trails the next year because the first year was the gravel. How did that go? Well, and that I mean that's that's kind of that was kind of the direction it went. I, it was, like I was touching on earlier, I was riding some of these gravel roads, these dirt roads myself. I knew I enjoyed it. I thought I was kind of a unique person there. I had a couple of friends that had been to the Dirty Konza, and we're talking about there's this, you know, there's these things are called gravel grinders. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know what to call it. You know, mm-hmm. it's they're called gravel grinders. It's like okay, that's as good a label as any. Yeah. Um, and started, you know, started talking about Dirty Konza, and it was like there's something that's kind of happening around this and everybody that came back you know while we were talking around the bonfire that night everyone's like we got to do another one yeah this is cool don't worry about uh mountain bike racing on the trails we you know we, we've got timbra and dorba and everyone else for that mm-hmm. so you know but you know you you found some really cool hills for us to climb some really neat scenery we'd have never seen any other way Kevin, go out there and find some more roads. We'll do some more of them. And I was just like, sure, I'll do that because I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I love it. I love the ex- exploration aspect of it. And that's probably why I liked mountain biking more so than road biking initially was just what's around that next turn, what's over uh-huh. the next hill. And, and it's like, wow, that's really cool. And, you know, the history you come across on, on uh-huh. these routes and these rides is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about that. What, what have you found as far as history goes out there? What, what kind of things specifically do you see? The probably the one that first comes to mind around Red River Riot specifically uh, is there's a uh, in between the town where we stage from now, Munster, uh-huh. uh, and Gainesville, which is the largest town in the area i think i think there's maybe 35 or 40 miles between the two but right in the middle of it when i was scouting and riding the dirt roads trying to find new paths i kept coming across just these odd water towers and silos that were here and there sporadic and then you would see fireplaces and chimneys but it was all wrapped in barbed wire and i mean just went on for miles and miles and miles and i couldn't figure out what it was hmm. and then i looked at the aerials when i got back to the house the first time and i saw what was obviously an old runway landing strip or something like that it's like oh. okay that, that's gotta be some sort of old military base or something like that mm-hmm. and so i started you know Brought out the Googles, looked it up, and forgive me, I can't, I'm not sure the pronunciation, but I think it's Howes, H-O-Z-E, if I remember right, Camp Howes, World War II training facility right there in the Gainesville area. And the actual history of it is what really ultimately makes our route so unique and so remote. I mean, we're, we're in, we have one of those routes that once you leave the staging area, there are no other amenities along the way. There's houses here and there. It's mostly mm-hmm. ranch land and things like that. You are in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Uh, so you're not going to come across a shell station or anything like that. Yeah. 
Okay. And the reason was during World War II, when they were doing Camp House, the government just came in and bought up all the land. Well, I don't even know if they bought it. They took it. Uh-huh. And the, it turned into, a, I believe it was a combination of airborne training, but also tank training. And so all the, all the, this is unique terrain for Texas. Most people probably think of Texas like from Western movies where it's either flat and, you know, prairie grasses or, or desert. Uh, this area is actually pretty darn hilly, especially for North Texas and lots of woods. So it's, it's all hmm. creeks, woods, hills, very un-Texas-like in, uh, in appearance, but uh, evidently very European-like for tank training. And uh, so okay. Camp Howes was, was tank training, I believe, for the invasion of parts of Europe. And uh, so after World War II was done, evident, yeah. evidently the government found a few friends and sold them, certain people, all of the land at you know pennies on the dollar sort of wow. thing. So what was scattered among a lot of people – after the war was accumulated by just a few people. And so okay. it's, it's huge tracts of land just owned by a few families. Huh. I'll be darn. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So when these people came and said, Hey, we need more of this, Kevin, and go out there and do some exploring. It was kind of like taking the dog off the leash. Cause I'm sure you thought that was a lot of fun to go out yes. and check it all out. If you're anything like me, that, yeah, that, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even need a green light for that. It's like, I'm, all right, I'm on it. Yeah. So about how many people did you have at those first red river riots? I want to say we had 125 ish. The, okay. that first, that first red river riot. And that, that's really good. Yeah, it is. Like, that's a lot of people. Well, uh, we do have, you know, being in this area, uh, we, we have a huge population base here. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think the, the Dallas Fort Worth DMA probably has something like seven and a half, eight million people, uh, in this North Texas area. So, I mean, that's probably just here is the same population center for probably Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, (laughs) (laughs) Something right, else thrown in. Even then, for a first event, I mean, when gravel grinding is kind of still a, a new thing, you know, that, it that I don't know, that seems like a lot to me. But anyhow, uh, so that that was cool. That's yeah, cool. and, and we, we kind of we kept it at that size uh, after that. We, we uh, the following years, we always did it on Easter weekend because we knew it was a weekend we would have to ourselves. So Easter Saturday was kind of our... Our day. We knew we didn't have to worry about competing with somebody's mountain bike race out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the road racing scene in Texas is pretty intense. We didn't, you know, we knew we didn't have to compete with road. So Easter Saturday was ours. We kind of made it a an extended family party thing. Uh, rented a ranch house um, and just kind pretty close to the same group of folks came for the next several years and uh i mean you know there was always new people being added in but we we intentionally kept it manageable uh, my wife has just been an indispensable help with all of this i mean we cook for everyone barbecue and and stuff like that when we rented the ranch house you know you can camp out on the land or had a few bunk beds available and stuff like that so it was it was a really it was a nice weekend all around and uh 
unfortunately the the owner of that that ranch home was given an offer he couldn't refuse for the, the property <laughs> and uh he he had to sell it and the person he sold it to had no interest in in renting the facility to us the guy was he was great uh he the the original owner actually tried to get it written into the contract uh that they would rent the property to us for at least five more years but the guy mm. wouldn't go for that the guy, the guy yeah. actually threw extra money at him to take that out <laughs> like, oh, wow I, he was like the guy's name was Mark. He's like Mark, I can't do it. I appreciate the thought, but you know we'll find we'll find somewhere else to do this from. So, it's huh. a wow. fantastic gesture, though. It yeah. was. It was amazing. amazing. It is amazing. That's cool. So, uh, tell us a little bit about those roads and things in that area. What are those? What do you, you said? Mentioned you have a lot of hills and it's kind of wooded. But what, what's your roads? That you, is it mostly clay, like you said, or what do you what do you got going on there? Most of the roads, and we definitely found that this out after the first year, um, our original our original route that first year went a little further west than we we've done it since then, uh, and a l- the more westerly side of it has a little bit more of a red clay base to the roads themselves. So we we usually take most of those out. We leave a little bit of them in, but there's there's a couple of roads there that just you, you you spit on them and bikes are going to sink down to the hubs. <laughs> okay. We don't want those in our route, no, so we no. took we took those roads out, and pretty much everything we use now is actually pretty hard packed. Uh, it has the red clay underneath base, mm-hmm. but they they put the limestone gravel embedded on top for I mean for years and years and years and years, and so okay. it's it's a pretty hard packed base. It, the only time it, and it never gets uh it never gets to the point where you would you would sink between or sink any more than tire depth on it and the mm-hmm. only time it gets where that would happen is if it's a deluge okay. right there while you're riding over it give it give it 30 minutes to drain off and even in in a deluge it's 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 mm. completely rideable give it 12 hours uh after a rain and that's it's it's actually almost like smooth pavement then wow so the reason i ask you that is because we find just from talking to the different promoters and racers that gravel is so different everywhere you go so it's always kind of fun to get a a little bit of a description from everybody about what their roads are like so it sounds like your roads hold up really well when when it gets bad weather then yeah the roads themselves hold up really well probably the 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 biggest thing that affects these roads is the county maintenance schedules on them. Oh yeah. There's, yeah, there's just, there's just no way to forecast that. So if if the grader's been through you know 2 or 3 days before, it's going to be a rough ride. It's going to be yeah. dry, but it's going to be rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have that same problem here in Iowa too. <laughs> yeah, I get I get a lot of gas from the riders when they, whenever they've been out behind the dump trucks, so Yep. with the fresh gravel. Yeah. So what kind of a course do you guys have now? I mean, you sent me some notes previous to us talking here. It said something about clover leaf loops. So how, how does that work? You come in and out of the same area or? Yep. Uh, we have a common staging area. Uh, this mm-hmm. will be our second year at this facility. It's actually a brand new expo hall that's been built in the Munster area. They call it Heritage Park Expo Center or something along those lines. Uh, if, if you can tell by the name of Munster, it's a very German 
German-based town. The heritage is is very very much German-based, and they have a uh, they have a big German fest and Oktoberfest. So Germanfest is in the spring, Oktoberfest is in the fall, and um, the rest of the time they just drink. <laughs> yeah. Drink and eat strudel. Right. And uh yeah. so a couple times a year they have 20, 30,000 people in town and they got they got to have somewhere to put them all. So they built this expo hall. It's a really nice facility and uh it's they use it for weddings and stuff like that too, but it was mostly there for the German Fest and the Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. And last year we we accessed it for the first time. It's really a lot more facility than we needed, but it was right there. And it's like, well, we got to try it out, see if it works. People liked it nice and indoors. It, after you're done, we serve up the barbecue and everything like that. Nice. Uh, n- nice restrooms, plenty of parking. All those little things that add up for, you know, and restrooms are probably the biggest thing. Um, it, when oh, when yeah. you have an event with a couple hundred people and, you know, in, in our world, you don't know. Am I, am I going to have 50 show up this time or am I going to have 500? Trying to have the right number of portagons is probably one of the toughest things a promoter can try to figure out ahead of time. Uh, and this right. place has enough restrooms to care for for any of them. So that for me, that's a big deal. That's like, that. well, that's worth the extra money there where I don't have to even think about portagons. Right. So, uh, so we that's our main staging area is uh, out of Heritage Park. And then uh, we basically have three different Four, technically, but three official routes. Our our long featured route is 140 miles. Our medium route is is about 80 miles this year. And then we have a kind of a beginner route that's going to be in a neighborhood of 35 miles. And the way it, it works, everybody leaves together and does that first 35-mile loop, comes back to the staging area, comes back to the expo area. They can reload their own stuff. You, you can go to your car. You can change jersey or chamois if you want to. Then you go out on the second cloverleaf, and you know that takes you from 35 miles to a total of 80 miles. And you come back to the staging area again. And quite frankly, that's the make Sorry. or break point. Yeah. It's so easy. Just to pull up, yeah. pull up and have a beer, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to do 140 miles today, but after 80, I come back and I'm smelling barbecue and I'm seeing cold beer and the and the band's playing and this is going on and that's going on. Do I really want to go out there and do that next 60 miles? I really have to think about it. And there's a lot of people. Um, They're happy it's, with 80. It's 80's good. <laughs> right. 80's yeah. good. Let's have some barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for sure, yeah. So you find out who the hardcore people are and they can do the 140, huh? And this year we're actually throwing a 200 miler into the mix just as kind of a – it was a writer request. Several of our writers said, hey, we want, we want, we want to do a 200 miler. And yeah. we're, so we're letting them do that last loop twice, that last 60-mile loop twice, and they, they can get in 200 miles. The really neat feature uh, from this cloverleaf pattern, though, is the way we have it routed this year. We've never done this before is every single one of those loops goes up our biggest feature on on the route. Uh, it's affectionately known as Windmill Hill. It's, uh, I want to say it's about a mile and three quarters long hill. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what the total elevation change is, but basically the average, ele- the uh, average grade over that climb is 11% and the steepest point's about 16%. Wow. So... 
everybody hits that on every loop. So usually our short route riders never did Windmill Hill. This year they're doing Windmill Hill. Medium route ones are doing it twice. Long route people are doing it three times. And the 200 milers are going to do it four times. And it's a heck of, heck of an accomplishment there. Yeah, no doubt. So you guys have, uh, how do you set your event up, uh, Kevin? Is it, do you have like age group categories or is it just men's and women's and that's it? Or what, what kind of a situation do you have going on there? It's, it, it's, pr- it's pretty much just open. Uh, okay. we break it, we break it out by male, female, uh, okay. when, when it comes down to it. Uh, we actually had one year where that was a non-issue. It was actually, I believe it was 2013, if I remember correctly. Uh, the overall winner was Louise Smith, female, which awesome. was extremely exciting. That was a big deal for us because we've always, and that's part, that's part of why we've always included the shorter route. We, we think it's really cool to get as many women involved in the rides as possible. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of the women riders that are intimidated by 80, 140-mile routes. Okay. Uh, but you throw a 35, 40, or 45-miler in there, they'll give that a try. And you know what? The next year they come back and they, they, win, they win the long one. You know? And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. You, so, can, I, can I jump in there? I want, I'm curious about the, the age group thing. Um, because a lot of races, they do it, a lot don't, and I'm stuck in the middle. Uh, we were talking off air, listeners, we were talking before uh, we started recording, and if you listened to the last episode, you know that I'm in uh, Minnesota, I'm putting on a fat bike race this weekend. As And from the director perspective, like we fought with it, uh, me and a, another guy, uh, the guy that actually created the race, uh, kind of partnered up for a while, but went back and forth on saying, well, just one big open. And then, no, let's do age group because that's what people want. They want to compete against their peers. And I'm just curious from the race per- director perspective, uh, have you had that discussion and do people show interest in, in that? And I, I found a lot of interest, a lot more interest in having the age groups just because they do want to race their peers and they don't want to get smoked by the guy that can, you know, beat them in two hours. They want to have some competitiveness along with the fun. I mean, that's kind of part of all doing it. And I'm, I'd like to hear your perspective on that. And and my perspective will be my perspective. And so there there are definitely some ideas in my head that lean more towards my personal preferences as opposed to necessarily what might be the best, for lack of a better term, business decision or or whatever else. Or mm-hmm. not not that I'm not wanting to accommodate the racers. Um, I think it goes both ways. And what what I've found that works for our events is it is more along the lines of and, and I'm trying to not misspeak here cuz I don't I don't want to sound like I'm No, I mean we I, we do this I am all the not time. knocking my I love my racers. Yeah. When somebody that comes across first on this event, that's amazing. That's a huge deal to me. But just as a, a huge deal for me is the last person to finish that 140 miles because that's a hell of an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at it very similar to the same model that the triathlons have kind of evolved into. Yes, the you're going to have that core 10% competitive as hell. You know, balls to the wall. We're you know I, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to win or die. People. That's only going to be 10% of your participants. 
the rest of them, for them to actually just pull this off, and and if it's somebody doing their first gravel grinder to do 35 miles of this stuff, that's hard. If you've never done mm-hmm. anything like this before. So I lean more towards go after the accomplishment that takes you personally to that next level. And for some pe- people, that that accomplishment is winning the thing. Yeah. Most people, it's, well, I signed up for the 35. All right, you just came in. You did the 35. Good job. Chip timing's got yeah. you with the 35 time. You know what? You go out there and do another lap. The chip's going to pick you up again. You mm-hmm. look fresh. Have a beer. Go do another lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and we talk about it all the time. We talk Ted and I, and, you know, he writes about it. We talk about it. But there's different events, different setups. You know, you have free events. You have paid events. There's kind of the – runs the whole spectrum, right? And, and you pointed out very – very well that you know that type of event it doesn't matter um and i, I kind of lean towards you too if i'm going to do an event it's just because i'm personally motivated to go do it so but uh yeah yeah anyhow it's interesting yeah. to find it's interesting to talk to all these directors of people putting on events to see what their perspective is oh yeah i want i want to get back to some of what we just talked about but i'm gonna hold off for now but we're gonna come back to this um I want to ask you, Kevin. Uh, you, you have this is an event that you uh, you guys charge for this one, or is it a free one? We do charge for this one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Our current pricing uh, for the thirty-three mile fun ride is thirty-five dollars pre-reg. The eighty-mile racer experience is thirty-five dollars pre-reg, and the hundred and forty-mile endurance is thirty-five. Mm-hmm. The 200 miles of insanity, $55. <laughs> insanity. I'm going to charge a little extra for that because <laughs> I got to stay up all night for those guys and make sure yeah. they got some food waiting for them. And realistically, anyone that pulls off the 200 miles might get a little something extra that the others won't. Now, okay. what do you get for 35 bucks? Uh, spinistry events, like I said, you get barbecue, cold drinks, which may or may not or probably will include beer. <laughs> okay. Puppy dogs in the background barking. Uh, we got all we, kinds of stuff on the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. we yeah. Al- we always uh, we always have a common giveaway swag that everybody gets. Traditionally, it's been T-shirts. Uh, we have a pretty cool logo we've been using for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, the the finishers, the the podiums for the the longer routes, get some pretty cool trophies as well, and. Uh, Lots, lots of good times hanging out with people that uh, are of like crazy minds. Nice. And where can people go to register for your events? Uh, you can go to, uh, as Ben pointed out earlier, you can go to spinistry.net. That's going to give an overview of most of our active stuff that's out there at the moment. Uh, right now, when you go to spinistry.net or you can do spinistry.com, it'll go to the same place or even spinistry.org. They all go to the same landing page. And right now, the Red River Riot is is the uh, is the main landing landing page, so it defaults to that one. But any other events we have in the works will will be on there as well. Okay, so is the registration for the Red River Riot open now? It is currently open, and okay. uh, the the date for the event is April second. Okay, in Monster, Texas, at and the at the Heritage Park Expo Center. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. listeners should already know all this because they check out our calendar. <laughs> That's right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you, don't, go. you know how you find out? You go to ridinggravel.com. 
forward slash events, and that'll pull up uh, how many events? I don't know, 300 and something or other. Yeah, and, we're getting and, up there. And, and I, I just want to make a quick correction while um, uh, Kevin was checking on uh, whatever. Last time I said we only had like 35 or 40 tires in the gravel tire finder page. Mm-hmm. There's like 85. <laughs> Whoa. So, sorry. That's growing like crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so if you want to get registered up, you can go there now. And do you guys have a, a field limit? Uh, no field limit. Uh, like I said, okay. in the past, we kind of, we haven't been big on promoting it, getting the word out per se. We kind of kept it close to the vest sort of thing. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was kind of my wife's extended family event of the year. And, but once we, uh, once we, no longer were able to go to the Roadrunner. That was our ranch house. Um, we found the expo hall last year. So we're probably going to look at maybe taking it to bigger levels in the years to come. But we've always kind of just grown organically, kind of word okay. of mouth. People that get us share it with other people, and it, it becomes what it becomes. And we're, okay. we're, we're fine with that. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think last year we had 220 or something. So, it, I mean, we grew about a hundred last year from, from what we've done in the past. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. What, what do you expect this year? You never know. You never know. Uh, I think, I, I think it's realistic to see 300 or more this year. Okay. I, I wouldn't call it an expectation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere between 150 and 300 is probably yeah, okay. okay. Well, <laughs> depends on what the weather is going to be, right? <laughs> right. That, that, that definitely has a lot to do with it. Oh yeah. I just I, I ask because the the popularity uh, is really, I think, is really hitting full stride at this point uh, throughout the country. Is it just different areas? I mean, we look at our traffic, and you have, you know, California, Colorado, uh, Texas. What else? Uh, it, it's just it the. Weird places like New York, right? The changes, (laughs) and you see it throughout the country, and I think it's just hitting full stride. So I like to ask and get a get a feel for each person's, you know, part of the country and what they're seeing. Yeah, I mean, when when we first started out, you know, 2010, 2011, I think 2011 was kind of like Dirty Con. That was the year I went to Dirty Concert. It was kind of that was they were starting to get big then, but that was really kind of their last small ish year. Mm -hmm. Um. And then everyone was talking about, is this, is this a bubble that's about to burst? Is this a fad that's just about to fizzle? And then the manufacturers started coming out with the gravel bikes and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh, they're just – they're trying to force this gravel stuff down people's throats. No, the people riding gravel are forcing it down the manufacturer's throats. Give me a bike that does this and everything else I want to do too, please. Now, and now wait, Now, wait a minute, Kevin. We do this every episode. <laughs> <laughs> So Kevin, I, I don't know. It seems like you listen to all the episodes, but we, Guitar Ted and I, do this every episode. This is like the third in a row now. He said that. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We're in agreeing. We're we agree with you on that point. Um, yeah, I, I think I, it's a good point because there's been so many people. It, there's always that group that says, "Oh, we've been doing this for a long time," and yeah, we we understand that, and it uh, it's pretty clear that there was a good group doing it before, and they just didn't have the right, I I don't know, right outlet. I I, th- I think the the main reasons that we're really seeing this big surge in in the gravel and the adventure type riding, it, the word is technology. 
it's the technology on the bikes themselves, but quite frankly, it's the technology of the internet where I can mm-hmm. go on ride with GPS. I can do, you know, Google street view or whatever else I, I can virtually plot out an idea of what I think might work. I can do other searches with other people that have been on those same roads and get their feedback and things like that. They may, may have never gotten past the Mississippi river, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's the technology that allows people that to expand their comfort zone on the adventure side. 20 years mm-hmm. ago, if you wanted to find this stuff out, you had to just get on a bike and pedal. Most people yeah. aren't comfortable with that. Right. Um, or even and, know that I mean, they could I, do it, you know? Or that knew, knew that was even even something that, that was physically possible. But uh, right. And the technology of the bikes now helps as well. I'm, I'm sorry. Bikes put up with a lot more than they used to. Uh, and and just, the, just everything from the tires and the brakes and – and the drive chains just you, you don't you don't have to think about it as much. Right. You can just get on and go mm-hmm. more than you could years ago. So what you're telling me it's yep. better than that Czechoslovakian? <laughs> I I miss that bike. I miss that bike. What brand is from Czechoslovakia? Man, uh, I want to say it was it was actually uh, it was Columbus Foco tubing i think it was called a cross foco or something like okay. that huh. it was something i'd found on an internet form a guy okay. it was selling, selling like a bulk of just crap <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> it, 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 it included some rolf vector comp wheels the red the red anodized ones and oh stuff yeah like i remember that. those and i threw all i threw all this stuff together on this cross bike with with a flat bar and that thing would go anywhere and it was comfortable as hell yeah. and i kept uh, you know, this was 2004, 2005. I'm telling people about this cross bike I have, and they think, you know, they think I'm talking about a hybrid. It's like, no, you know, like cyclocross. What's cyclocross? And, you know, now how huge is cyclocross now, you know? Yeah, right. So, you know, that's, that's interesting you bring that up, Kevin, because a lot of people forget that at one time nobody knew what cyclocross was. I, you, I, th- I, th- I think cyclocross and gravel are actually, uh, at least here. Maybe in other parts of the country, it's not as tightly related. But as the cyclocross scene came on and the gravel scene came on here, they were both kind of coming on at the same time. And it was just that little justification that these people needed to themselves. I need that next bike. I have a mountain bike. I have a road bike. Mm -hmm. Well, now I need a cyclocross bike so that I can do cyclocross races and gravel grinders. And then yep. it evolved to, yep. I really don't like cyclocross races, so I'll sell my cyclocross bike and get one of these new gravel bikes, which is really more suited to what I sort of do. And then mm-hmm. I see all my friends with these gravel bikes, they're selling their road bikes because they just you know, sell my road bike, get another set of wheels, and I swap the wheels back and forth on the gravel bike. Yeah, Makes yep. sense to me, Wayne. The yep. northern equivalent to that is fat bike. So yep. the, you... Um, you just give another, you know, people have another reason to get another bike, but, uh, the Northern region. So what happened with all of this, that, you know, adventure, I hate seeing the word adventure. Cause it's just, that's like Epic from four years ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Adventures last year's word already. Um, but what you, what you find, like you, you guys both said, and you know, you're expanding horizons, you, you know, connect on the internet, you see it's possible. Um, 
but what what has happened at the same time is it's kind of taken uh, what what else is out there. So instead of you know the shoulder scenes, shoulder seasons just being something where or, you know the winter, spring, and fall just being something where you just get through. Now it's something that people look forward to. So the same thing I kind of happened with cross too. It was like oh the mountain bike season is ending. Oh man, when and then there was kind of a change where some people were using just the summer to kind of getting ready for the fall. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just, it feels to me that it's in just from my observation, it feels to me that so the northern half equivalent would be a fat bike because it kind of turns something into a that wasn't previously a thing into something that you look forward to. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, normally, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been sitting in the house, you know, I don't know, playing tiddlywinks, but now I can't wait to get out on my fat bike, you know. Right. Because I can. So. I, I think it's just that idea of doing something different. And it all came together yeah. at the same time. And that's what you're seeing in the gravel is it kind of brings everybody into one spot. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, you, and you have to hand it to salsa. And I mean, I, I'm not I'm not pitching salsa here oh, specifically. No, they're, they're not they a sponsor of ours or anything like that. They, I think they were the, the best bike manufacturer out there to recognize these trends. And I don't... I don't think they were forcing the trends on people. They no. were they were the ones that were nimble enough to take advantage of it and recognize the opportunity was there. And quite frankly, they put out some really cool products mm-hmm. that match up with. They them. killed. I mean, adventure by bike. There you go. Yeah, that, yeah. that killed it. You know, that was awesome. So no, yeah. we'll, and they, we'll, we'll we'll pump those guys. They do a great job. I ride their bikes. I I have a Sol's uh, Bear Grease and a El Mariachi. So they're great guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. And believe yep. it or not, there's actually a pretty decent fat bike scene down here too. I why I'll be honest with you, why that is, I don't get it myself. I'm not knocking <laughs> it, right. but uh, yeah, there's there, there's a pretty good fat bike scene uh, down here. I think down here, what's what's uh, probably the uh, the plus size stuff, 29 plus in, yeah, and the 27 and a half plus. I think that I think especially in the mountain bike side of things, uh, those are really going to go somewhere. Yeah, I think so too. So speaking of sponsors, we're not sponsored by Salsa Cycles, but we are sponsored by Smooth Operator Chain Lube. Yes. This episode, just a reminder, go to smoothoperatorlube.com. Absolutely. And Kevin, you have sponsors for your Red River Riot. Would you like to mention some of those? Hey, appreciate that, guys. Uh, Well, first off, let's mention... Uh, let's mention Smooth Operator Premium Lubricant again and uh, Colonel's Bicycles. They're, they're actually kind of hand-in-hand. They're, they are the same guys. Uh, okay. The, I'm pretty sure you're going to find that the Smooth Operator Premium Lubricant is uh, is good stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Guitar Ted is definitely the bicycle and mechanical expert. I'm not, I'm not going to throw anything out there. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to see what he says about this stuff down the road in one of his long-term tests. Uh, we also, uh, Colonel's Bicycles, local bicycle shop. Uh, they happen to be a Salsa and a Cannondale dealer, uh, giant as well, I believe. Uh, and of course, always, just like everyone, the cool Surly stuff too. Personally, I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of Surly stuff. Uh, so Colonel's Bicycle Smooth Operator, a great local insurance company, Wadley Insurance. Ron's a fantastic uh, proponent of the local cycling community. So he's he's always reached out, not just to us, but just basically every cycling event and cycling promoter out there. He's 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 a helping hand. And uh, a, a new a new 
cool sponsor for us that we're pretty psyched about actually at the moment. Uh, the the Be Cool uh, Smart Trainers and Simulation System. Uh, I actually have a demo unit that I'm checking out right now, and I hate to admit it because mm-hmm. I was really, really, really anti-smart trainer. You like with everybody grinding. getting on. You know, you know all the Zwift stuff that everyone's into uh-huh. right now, and that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it out there. The Zwift fad wasn't a fan of that. That wasn't doing much for me. Um, but I'm trying out this Be Cool trainer, and what this one actually allows me to do, I, I plug in my own routes, and and we we're talking about Windmill Hill, for example. Uh-huh. I'm able to put in the the GPS file for Windmill Hill on it. And I'll be damned if it ain't ri- like riding Windmill Hill. It's pretty amazing. Really? So, yeah, huh. I, I just started playing with this thing. It's it it it's called Be Cool, B K O O L. I believe it's a Spanish company, uh, but it's it's really neat stuff. So that it, wow. we'll probably have a couple of uh, in the expo hall. We'll probably have a couple of those units uh, where people can try them out, so they can go do Windmill Hill for real, and then mm-hmm. go come check it out on the Be Cool and see see how well. Lines up. That's awesome. So, the, the, does this be cool trainer? Do they have. Can you train with power on that thing? Is there a power meter on it, or what's what's that got on it? Yeah, it's it's a it's a smart resistance tra- trainer. Uh, okay. And forgive me, I am I am not a technophobe as far as these <laughs> things go. But you know, like I mean, along the lines of the Wahoo Kicker and things like that, it's a higher end uh, smart trainer. So. Okay. As you co- as you come up on on an incline by the GPS track or the simulation software of their own or whatever you're using, and it does work with Zwift as well. I haven't used it with Zwift yet myself, but it it it, it does kick in the resistance to match real world, and it's mm. uh, so it's you know if it, if it says you're doing a fifteen point four percent grade, you are standing up on the bike to make it go at that point. Wow. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean the you know it's, it's not going to throw. It doesn't recognize that this is supposed to be a dirt road versus a paved road, so sure. you know, it's not it's not going to throw loose gravel under your wheel or anything like that. But it is pretty cool. You're not going to hear I, the crunch uh, of the gravel. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can always just record a soundtrack and listen to that. I was just going to say that we, it's going to be the, <laughs> the riding gravel gravel app. And there you go. It's the sound of gravel in different spots. And the sound of gravel and wind in your ears. Yes, exactly. You know, that howling wind. <laughs> Definitely yeah. wind. Yeah. Speaking of uh, howling wind and the sound of gravel, if I were to go, and you've, you've described some of the course, but if I were, were to go on the Red River Riot, what would I see? I mean, would I see, kind of, do you have any wildlife out there? Or is there like herds of cows? Or what, what, do, you, what do you see when you go Road out there? Runners. Yeah, roadrunners, armadillos. You, I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you, y'all are hitting y'all are hitting them all. You will oh, see really? roadrunners. Oh, you will see armadillos. You will see lots and lots of cows. There's okay. no doubt yeah. about that. Uh, good chance you'll see a coyote here and there. Skunk, rattlesnake, uh, rattlesnakes, water moccasins, copperheads, wow. dogs. Lots of dogs. <laughs> yeah, imagine that, right? Right. I'm, I'm one of those. I love, I, lo- I love my country dogs. I mean, I've I've been doing this for years, and I'm one of those guys. The dogs are howling, barking, running at the fence line, squeezing under the barbed wire, chasing at you 30 miles an hour. 
And I just go, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you're so yeah, good looking. Right. And then that's it. That's all they need. Oh, yeah, let's play. Let's play. Let's play. Yeah. So I always get along with my country dogs. I love them. I know a lot of people get intimidated by them, See, especially the city folks. That and There's another thing to it, too, is just the fact of not even doing what you do, because I don't even know if I'd do that. But just the simple fact of turning around and going at them, you know, towards them, like 95% of the time they will stop. And the rest of the time they'll go away. Like I, it, the worst thing to do oh, is yeah. to keep going, because then there's, you're just a big, <laughs> you're just a big chew toy. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I, I think you, that's a good good uh, description. Like, go get the chew toy. Yeah, in the, in the spandex. You know, they see those yeah, they see those legs going up and down. It's like prey time. Right. Go get it. Yeah, I mean they chase car tires until they stop. Yeah. Right. I mean, so just stop. That's my tip of the day, right there. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good one. I like but it. Yeah, stop. It, stop. You either stop or you do the pit bull intervals. Your yeah. choice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pit bull intervals. Awesome. <laughs> that, that's cool. Oh, that's good. I, I just think the, the opportunity to uh, just see a road runner would be cool in itself. Yeah. Ride around yeah. and beep, beep. And it was, so, <laughs> not that they do that. But. And then maybe a coyote <laughs> after that, right? right? That's what he would say. Yeah, that's what he would say. You, you there. Yeah. We, do, we do have coyotes and road runners here. I have yet to see a coyote. Coyote chasing one though. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, Red River Riot um, sounds like an awesome event, um, Kevin. I want to get back to a couple things that you have uh, talked about already, and maybe another topic that you sent me here that is closely related. But we were uh, talking earlier about our perspectives as race promoters uh, on age groups and categories and. And things like that. And you sent along um, on your talking points here that there's some changes in the USA cycling. Um, you care to explain what, what you mean by that and what that has to do with? Well, um, USA cycling just this past week, and there was there were rumblings in the air that this might be coming, but it came a lot sooner than I think anyone was really expecting USA cycling essentially opened up. Well, they created gravel event permitting for their, for their insurance. And I want to make, make this clear. This isn't USA cycling saying we're taking over gravel. You're going to do it our way. That's the perception. When you say USA Mm -hmm. cycling and gravel grinders in the same sentence, I use USA cycling insurance most of the time for my events. Okay. indirectly that it's very affordable, easily accessible insurance. If you know how to work with USA cycling indirectly though, that's kind of why my events haven't been for the most part, there've been exceptions here and there haven't been true bona fide races. You win this, you get $3,000 or anything like that. USA cycling's mm-hmm. pretty sticky about if you're giving cash awards, you have to permit it as a USA cycling race under certain guidelines and rules, but you can also do what they consider non-competitive events. And there's a lot of flex, almost unlimited flexibility there. You can create almost any events you want to, and you're properly insured. That's a big deal. You're properly insured affordably. That's an even bigger deal. I know there's a lot of events out there that, Hey, you guys are big guys. You're on your bicycle. Take care of yourself. You know, don't sue mm-hmm. me if something happens. Yeah, but if you charge your money, then I mean, if, if I'm know. not taking that chance, that's me no, personally. You'd be an idiot. Yeah, 
Yep. Well, I've been called that before, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. But so I guess you're an idiot either way. You can't win. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't win. Yeah. I am. Yeah. But the uh, so USA Cycling basically has taken that same non-competitive flexibility with a little bit of organization, very minor amount, and now they've created gravel grinder permits. That allow you to do true, true competitive events with cash payout uh, or rankings by time and stu- stuff like that. You don't get you you don't get USA Cycling points for it. You're not going to up, upgrade from a Cat Three mountain biker to a Cat One or a Cat Three road racer to a Cat Two. None of that happens. You're not going to qualify for the Olympics. But a promoter can get affordable insurance through USA Cycling. And with some very basic rules and guidelines that they have to stay in, put on a gravel grinder event. Mm-hmm. And if they choose to give cash awards, they can give cash awards. If they just want to give, you know, true rankings and, you know, and things like that. Now, one of the limiters on that, I believe, and going to your point that you were talking about earlier, I don't think they allow for age breaks for gravel grinders specifically. Okay. I think it has. To, I think it has to be an open field. It can be male, female, but I think it has to be open. I don't know that for certain, though. I haven't looked at all the details on it yet. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I seem to remember that being an aspect of it. Okay. Is there a press release or something on this that I missed? Well, see, I went to look for information on this too, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So this, is the, this is the first I've heard about it. It, and I have not seen a press release on it. I okay. guess as being a USA Cycling. You're a spy. Race You're a spy. Yeah. They sent you to infiltrate yeah. our system. <laughs> so, so you guys are getting scooped. Yes. That's cool. Um, wow. So, this, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, it would just be good to I'll, – I'll search around. We'll, we'll search, listeners, we'll search around a little more, see if we can find some more information, and then uh, share what we do find because I think there's a lot of people that would be interested in that because right now I, I the, the amount of – events out there that are teetering on you know the big things always cost but then the uh the big elephant in the room is the liability issues that a lot of people a aren't aware of b don't care and c just say hey we're just putting this out there so you come and race uh and turn a blind eye to it um and nothing's had bad big has happened yet uh el manzo there was some horse issues that could have been a bad bad thing um and that drove that one out in into Penn Cycles hands um but uh yeah so i think a lot of people would be interested to hear and to read what uh what they have all cooking and i yeah. just i assume there was a press release or something on that cuz they they did send out the email to whether it was me as a race director or just being a USA cycling member of some sort maybe i received it um but uh I, I know it's not a hush hush thing. So they, right. they at least send oh, it yeah, to the membership sure. and um y'all send me an email if you don't find anything and I'll forward you that email for you to review. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's cool. So interesting, details on that. interesting little tidbit with USA Cycling back in uh I organized a couple uh more than a couple of gravel uh events back in Colorado before I left. Uh moved out of Gra- uh out of Colorado. But um Long story short, this is, I think, four years ago, three years ago. 
at one of the rides because what I did is uh, worked with a bike shop and we just you know ran it through the bike shop it was kind of just a big uh, group ride for them. And uh, so what I do is I just go out and course and take pictures and do all this stuff. And I was coming back on one of the gravel roads on a gravel road that you'd never ride unless you never drive unless you really unless you live there or you were whatever. And uh, the area we were putting this ride on was halfway between Denver and Colorado Springs and USA Cycling headquarters in Colorado Springs. And I see this car up ahead, totally random gravel road, uh, and uh, it's just kind of driving up the road real slowly, and then it kind of stops. And then as I'm coming up, it all of a sudden takes off real fast. And I'm like, man, that's really weird. Wait, that's a USA Cycling car. So I drive, I turn around, and I followed it. Uh, down to the road and then it took off because the freeway was kind of right there. So there's no reason to ever ride this road unless you were on it to get to your house, one of the few houses on there. I thought that was kind of weird and quite interesting to, uh, because mm-hmm. they knew, first of all, they knew my vehicle because it was very clear they knew my vehicle. So they had to be there beforehand. Um, or somebody, you know, kind of told them who I Tipped was him off, or whatever. Man. Yeah. It was really weird because they were going real slow. And as soon as I got, up behind them they're gone like turn around you know mm-hmm. uh, it's really weird well yeah and, the, and then you think about too uh, recently in the news um the cycling news uh, we found out that usa cycling um income was down a lot because there's a lot of people doing unsanctioned events now not not just gravel events, but you know that's got to be part of it because there's unsanctioned cyclocross series in in Oregon. There's unsanctioned mountain bike series in Wisconsin. So we all know that there's other things other than USA Cycling going on. So, and there has been, but I think the gravel scene because it's been growing has been drawing off a lot of people that would normally be into USA Cycling events doing these other things that aren't USA Cycling events. Their income revenue goes down. And so it's a business, so they're going to be looking at what do we need to do to get back in, into a, a positive growing situation instead of shrinking. And I'm sure, you know, I don't have any evidence that they're doing this, but I'm sure they're looking at gravel events and going, how do we get into that, you know? And so, Kevin, we hear from you that, you know, they, they've changed a few things. They're kind of making these overtures to uh, gravel race promoters. So, I mean, it all kind of makes sense when you think about it. I don't have any, again, I don't have any evidence that that's what they're doing, but it just totally makes sense that they would. So I, I agree. And I, I don't, don't, I don't want it to, uh, and I don't know how up to date you guys are, how, how much you follow what's going on in USA cycling, but basically the, uh, I mean, they've, they've had a top down reorganization in the past year and, uh, they're, they're the first to admit they've let down their core membership for years. Mm -hmm. The, The people that are involved right now aren't shy about admitting that. And are they going to do everything right all of a sudden? No, it's, it's, it's never that easy. I, I get the impression, and I'm not hardwired into these guys at all, um, but I do get the impression that they're genuine and that they're, they're trying to win back their lost customers. And that, that, mm-hmm. comes back, that comes again from the mountain bike side of things for us. USA Cycling, and I'm sure somebody at USA Cycling is going to hear this podcast and they're going to hear me saying this. 
And I may get chastised for it. Who knows? But USA Cycling didn't do the mountain bike community any favors for the past 10 years, probably even longer than that. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of filtered into into other areas as well. And I think they've learned from that. Are they going to fix it all overnight? No. But I'm seeing positive things that makes it look like they are going in the right direction. And from a promoter – race director standpoint i've looked at all those other options too and use some of them in different situations um and i've always said if usa cycling just did this this and this i would never have any other reason to look at anyone else or use anyone else for anything well so Mm -hmm. at this point they're at this and this and it sounds like they're working on my third piece that's personally critical so i'm 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 holding out hope but I'm also pragmatic in that, you know, I'm always always going to keep my options open. So right. No doubt about that. Yeah. Right. It's a good opportunity for them to make amends. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I agree. I think I think that I think that's the approach they're taking, or and maybe that's just the optimist in me. Maybe that's what I'm hoping for, and it is what I'm hoping for. And and I'll give. The, I'm going to give them the opportunity to prove oh, absolutely my hopes wrong on that yeah. one, and that's yeah. the direction I'm going. Yeah. 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 Can, can I ask you guys? A, a yeah. real quick favor. I think we're getting probably close to the end, but I would like to ask you one favor. Yes. Have another promoters event that I would really like to plug on their behalf. Would that be okay? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Plug away. Uh, it's it's a local group here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, it's called Pedal Against PTSD, okay. Post Traumatic Stress Disorder. Uh, it's a group of veterans affected by post-traumatic stress disorder themselves and their loved ones and their friends and families. And they, uh, they do a lot of things that are good for PTSD and the cycling community. They've actually partnered up with the Veterans Administration to start a gravel grinder series that's going to start in June. Um, pedal against PTSD. Uh, they kind of have a, a number of things they shoot for. They they try to provide high quality bicycles to qualified veterans to create a support network. Uh, provides you know a larger community for all the PTSD team to plug into. Uh, they're creating a charity gravel grinder series uh, that raises money for research into PTSD and development through the Dallas VA Research Corporation. Uh, so they partnered with the Dallas VA uh, to to start their first event. It's called the Pedal Against PTSD Grinder 100. It'll be a 100-kilometer uh, event June 11th out of Sanger, Texas. If you go to okay. their website, pedalagainstptsd.org, that will give you a lot more information. They also have – a Facebook event page and everything like that. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good cause. They're friends of ours. I'm, I'm helping mm-hmm. them put on their first grinder and, but they're going to run with it from there. And hopefully we're going to have a series of these across the country that, that, uh, that help, uh, with research and, uh, our veterans and those that are affected by PTSD. That's cool. very cool. And I'll put that yeah. in the show notes too. So links that's, to there. To their and stuff. that's on our calendar, by the way. Yep. I remember seeing yep. that. Yep. Excellent. We found that and put it on the calendar. So, yeah, um, that's a great, great organization, it sounds like. And um, if you uh, 
hear of any more of those events being put on, Kevin, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to get the word out. So have it on our calendar. That'd be awesome. Will do. All right. Thanks. So, folks, uh, if you are interested in doing some Texas-style gravel grinding, you can go to uh, spinstreet.net and look up Red River Riot. The registration's open now. The event's going to happen on April 2nd uh, out of Munster, Texas. And it uh, sounds like a really cool event, Kevin. And uh, we'd like to thank you for being on and uh, hope you have a great, great time out there. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it tremendously. Absolutely. No problem. And, no problem. Uh, one last mention. Thanks to uh, Smooth Operator Lube. Go to smoothoperatorlube.com for more information, and uh, they'll do it. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Guitar Ted. Thank You're you, welcome. listeners. We'll be back with another episode. But until then, just get out and ride. <laughs> See you later. See ya. See ya.